Welcome to the Construction User 2.0 from the Association of Union Constructors. In this podcast, we explore the latest labor trends, industry insights, and important issues in the world of construction. Join us for conversations with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and innovative visionaries as we discuss how we are building the world of tomorrow. Welcome back to the Construction User 2.0. Today's episode is sponsored by Procore, a talk legacy partner. Procore is an industry leader in construction management software. The platform helps you take control of construction outcomes, minimize risk, and protect profits from bidding to closeout. We are really excited to welcome to the show today Will Lerman, head of product for specialty contractors, and Brian Davis, the product marketing manager for Procore. With decades of experience in the industry, Will and Brian are experts in change management. They understand that change can be difficult, but with the right tools and the right team, it can and should be embraced as a way to improve your business. I am so pleased to welcome Will and Brian to the show. Thank you both for being here, Will and Brian. Uh, glad to have you on the show today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So we always try to keep this fun and conversational as opposed to, you know, anything super deep or, or so I, I want to open with just a, a ridiculous question of what is the last song that you got stuck in your head? Like throughout the day, couldn't just break free of it. Yeah, this is an easy one for me. I have two young kids. And so when they find a song they really like, that's what gets stuck in my head for the next month. And so that right now would be Octopus's Garden uh, by the Beatles. Okay, so Will, first off, your children have excellent musical taste. So like... Well, I I don't let them listen to music that I don't want to listen to. So I, I do a little curation, but then they find a song they really like, and then they make me play it until I don't like it anymore. Yeah, in, in my household, I had to have I, I established three like stages of both television shows and music. One, the I won't let you listen to it. The you can only listen to it if I, or watch it if I'm not in the room. I don't want to be near it, but like I'm not opposed to it, just not being near it. And then, of course, the like, no, please, like, let us enjoy this together. So Octopus's Garden. Good choice. How about you, Brian? What uh, what's the song you got last stuck in your head? So my, okay, so I've got to preface this. I've got two, I've got two daughters in between stages. So there's pretty much always a Taylor Swift song stuck in my head. I, I, I just, I, it's unavoidable in my house. I'm trying to think of whatever the last one was that was stuck, but I will say Mariah Carey, Always Be My Baby. It's probably the last one that was stuck in my head. They, they're starting to list, my wife's introducing some of that, you know, 90s, hip-hop and pop music to them so we kind of break the the cycle of taylor swift songs nothing wrong with taylor swift no not at all but (laughs) again having a tween that's listening to uh mariah carey that was big when i was a tween that's yeah 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 not a terrible song to have stuck in your head for sure but uh yeah dad's uh you know metal music isn't isn't played when we're cleaning house it's uh that stuff so no, I, uh, I I certainly get that. I certainly get that. Well, awesome. I think we, uh, you know, kick it off. So I want to just talk a little bit about, we're talking about construction technology today, you know, Contech and all the, the innovations. We have our IGI coming up in just a few weeks and we want to, we're trying to, you know, get people kind of geared up for, for what innovation in construction looks like. You don't always necessarily think of construction as being a very techy field. It's, it's, it sometimes looks a little, you know, it's it's concrete and rebar. But talk to me a little bit about Contech and construction. Like, what is that? What are the next developments? What is what are we looking at? Yeah, great, great question. So I, I 
the quick background, I've been working in construction tech now for a decade. And, you know, so I haven't seen the whole journey, but I've got to see the last 10 years of it. And it's been pretty interesting to see what's what's taken shape, what's really stuck, uh, what's transformed the industry. And I could walk through a history lesson of some of those. I think as I look forward, a lot of the things that I am excited about, that I'm curious about, that I think are going to have an impact over the next five, 10 years. You know, one is pretty simple, which is I think we're going to continue to see a lot of usability improvements. That's been a huge challenge in construction technology adoption is just how do we get an industry that's been doing things a certain way for a really long time to make some pretty fundamental shifts in how they work and 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 how their processes are impacted by technology. And I think making them extremely easy to use, driving a lot of automation uh, through their use is a huge tactic to help with that transformation and and driving a lot of efficiency in the industry. Some of the more techie ones are going to be things like data. We're starting to see data because of all the, the migration of technology over the past decade. We're starting to see construction companies having access to immense amount of data about past projects, current projects, and the evolution going forward is, is what we can do with that data. Uh, some of it is simply allowing you to quickly pull insights out of it. Some of it is being able to take data and round trip it so you can take all of your past projects, uh, the ones that have worked well, the ones that haven't, the ones where you've made incredible margins, the ones where you haven't, and start to leverage the insights from that round trip it to new projects and pre-construction and start to make smarter decisions. Which projects should we pursue? Uh, where our risk area is going to be? And I think that's that's going to continue to evolve and get better as as technology companies as well as construction companies get a better handle on their data. And then, you know, I think we're going to see AI, computer vision, machine learning. Uh, it's impacting every industry. And, and I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to have a massive impact on construction. A big part of that for me is automation. I think that we're staring down lots of labor shortages. We're staring down huge backlogs and folks having a lot of work and trying to figure out how they're going to bridge that gap between actual staff on hand and, and work that they need to complete. And they're all searching for efficiencies. And I think there's a lot of tasks that can be automated, whether that's automating takeoff through estimating, creating a contract, reviewing a model and looking at clashes, but actually bringing intelligent options and, and resolutions to those clashes. So I think you're going to see AI start to work its way into construction in some pretty meaningful ways that um, you know aren't aren't going to maybe feel as techy, and they're going to they're going to show up more as automation and efficiency. That just takes these tasks that used to take five hours and shortens them down to two minutes. And I think that's going to be really impactful. So in this context, when you say automation, you mean more software automations. The 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 paperwork will get simpler, quicker. The budget, not budgeting, the uh, the scoping out a project, etc. Automating those processes. Absolutely, but also the decision making. The pouring over data, making phone calls, finding the experts in the room who have 20 years of experience and having long conversations to uncover where there's going to be risk, opportunity, insights, decision making. And I think those things, although they're, they're backed by technology and, and, you know, documents, it's actually going to speed up decision making. And some of those steps that, that, you know, either create risk because you move too fast and you don't have the time to analyze, or you do have the time to analyze, but you're wasting a lot of valuable minutes, hours, days, weeks doing that analysis. I think we're going to shorten those, those time horizons pretty drastically over the coming years. No, I love that. Brian, how about you? Where, what, you know, where have we come from? Where are we and where are we going? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I think, and, and for me, it's kind of funny because I, when I think about where we've come from, I mean, I, I, I grew up in, in construction and I, I remember, I remember the first time I held an electronic stud finder and it was like, wow, no more like running a magnet over the wall looking for screws and uh, nail heads for the drywall. And so when I think about that to where we are today, I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I, and I think that there's a perception out there that, that, you know, construction is kind of sometimes tech adverse. And I don't, I don't know that that's entirely fair. I think that construction actually has embraced technology amazing well, amazingly well over the years. But I think where we've seen most of that happen is really in the field when it comes to tools and machinery and the production space and manufacturing. And, and I think the reason why they've adopted that so well in the real physical sense is because construction is a very pragmatic industry. This is a group of folks that, you know, they want to see projects actually taking place and coming together before them. I think what Will is talking about is dead on to where we're now seeing technology at a point where it's, it's pragmatic application really is hitting the office and hitting uh, the project management side of things. And I think we will truly start to, we are seeing how this tech is in fact making people's jobs and making their lives easier. And so it's really exciting to see that. And I think that what I'm, I'm seeing is less of the tech inversion and more of, I know this is important. I know we want to do it. We just, we don't really know sometimes like where to start. And, and I think that's where I'm seeing things starting to shift here recently is, is, is more people raising their hand and saying, yeah, I don't need to be convinced any longer. The solutions are out there. I just don't know where to begin. Like Will touched on some really incredible things with, with AI and machine learning and data analytics, data mining. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see people really start to use these things in a very um, uh, major way in construction that they haven't used it in, in the past. So this is a super open-ended question, but what does that look like? What, what do the, what do the uh, adoptions of these technologies look like from these, like, I agree. I really like, you know, they aren't as risk averse as you think, but what does the adoption of these new technologies look like in, in practice to the next step? Yeah. I'm going to quickly go back in time and then I'll, then I'll take us forward in time to what I think they're going to look like in the future. But I just want to give a couple examples, you know, in my 10 years in the technology uh, construction industry, there's been some really cool tangible changes that have come from this technology. And so one example is, you know, I was around as we were starting to see mobile applications and smartphones become extremely prevalent on job sites. And you go, well, what, what did that actually change? Well, a couple of things. One is we started to digitize data collection in the field, which was huge because all of a sudden we were connecting field and office in ways that we weren't before. These weren't just phone calls and emails and word of mouth about what's actually happening uh, out on the job site and what the expectations are in the back office and what the plans were in the back office. We're actually seeing real data be collected from the fields. And then the communication has completely changed as well um, because now you're not waiting for someone to be available for a phone call and you're not getting information that's three days out of date or in the case of keeping everybody on the current set of plans, you're not waiting for the changes to the construction set to then go get printed and delivered to the job site. These things were in everybody's hands instantly as soon as those design changes were made. And so all of a sudden you're seeing folks move faster on the job site. You're seeing this awesome connectivity between the field and the office. People are making less mistakes, less rework. And then what does less rework mean? It means less safety incidents because we know there's a direct correlation between rework on job sites, being behind schedule, 
and then having safety incidents. And so I think some real meaningful, tangible impacts like improvement to safety, I think some real efficiency gains around the communication. And so I'm excited because I know there can be serious, tangible, real life benefits to the technology evolution. And so as I look forward, one big one is surviving the skilled labor shortage. I think that's a really, really important one. We, our entire world absolutely relies on the construction industry. And there is so much that we need to do over the next 50 years to ensure we can deliver all of the buildings and all of the infrastructure that we need as a society. And we're staring down some real gaps in the actual you know, human human force to go and do that. And so I think efficiency is going to be a really, really big one. And we're going to start to shave away tasks that aren't leveraging people's skills the way they should be. And they're inefficient processes that just can be eliminated through technology. I think we're going to make less mistakes. I think we're going to catch a lot of mistakes earlier. I think we're going to make better decisions about which projects to take so that we're not uh, losing out on margins or we're not finding ourselves working on a project that's not a fit for our business. Less litigation, less wasting time and money, which all just sucks energy and efficiency out of the industry. And I think we're going to have a lot more predictability too. And when you have more predictability, you can slow down you can optimize, you can start to make changes to how your business operates. And then the the one that really pulls at my heartstrings the most is, is people being safer, having access to all this data and allowing us to foresee safety risks before they happen is an incredible opportunity for us. I, I'm seeing movement here. I'm seeing impact here already. I think we're going to see a lot more of it in the future. And then I think because we are making more decisions earlier in the project that set us up for success and eliminate those th- those situations of rework and schedule delays that we know lead right to safety incidents, we're going to see that reduction in, in, in safety incidents. And that's, that, that's the most important and the most valuable one to me. As all these developments are coming out, what does implementation look like? What do we, what does, you know, a big company with a hundred year old history that has their system and they might not be technological adver- technologically averse, you know, they see the wave coming and they know they need to implement it. But what does implementation look like? How do, how do you make big changes to a hundred year old company with, with, you know, a footprint globally? Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually something that I talk to customer customers about all the time. And to me, there's like lots of different directions that you could take this question. And there's, there's three that, that really kind of stick out to me the most. And the first one is, uh, and, and you kind of touched on it, but like the first one is, a shift in just cultural commitment to technology. Um, we'll, we'll just share a lot of great stuff on this, but there's, I think a lot of what's happening right now is being driven by necessity, not just trying to like gain an edge. So you know, he talked about things like the labor shortage. Um, we've also got things where we're seeing that project schedules are tighter and more condensed than ever. Specifications are becoming more and more complicated. You know, we're seeing trends out there in terms of uh, materials and material procurement that's becoming more and more complex. And so there is a real need for companies to shift their cultural thought around being a more tech-focused company. And that really needs to start at the top. And it kind of brings me to the second thing that I think about a lot, and that is executive sponsorship. And I, and I, I, I explicitly use that term sponsorship, not just executive support, because I think Support and sponsorship mean two very different things. Executive support is, hey, here's funds, here's resources, we green lighted this, go, you know, go, go and do this, and you know, it's it's approved. 
sponsorship is a is is much more engaged it's much more involved you know executive sponsorship is when you have leadership that's not just providing resources and time but they're actually carving out space within your schedule to allow you to focus on tech adoption they're they're kind of paving the way they're breaking down barriers they're making sure other leaders are aligned on the direction that you're heading they're regularly checking in with tech adoption and implementation practices you know they're very involved in this process they're acting as a coach and truly as a leader through it and so sponsorship is super super important and then the, the last thing that i'll touch on of course we could you know talk about all these much more depth but the last one i'll touch on is is a commitment to ongoing training and education you know it's not enough to bring in a new piece of tech have a half hour training that's done over lunch and then have everybody leave the room and go okay cool like we're all caught up we all know how to use this that's not how it works i mean when you look at tech the, the very nature of tech is that it's constantly adapting and it's constantly growing and it's constantly changing and so even tools that you've brought into your organization, whether it's a tool like Procore or some other piece of tech that you've brought in, it does require ongoing training and ongoing learning. And I know that that can take time. And I know that that takes focus and it takes time and space. But again, this goes back to being fully committed. And the reason why it's so important for, for businesses to be fully committed at this stage is because uh, it's kind of being driven by necessity. You know, the market has changed significantly and to will's point the idea here is that by using tech you become more efficient and you're able to manage your way through these things i have so many things like there were so many points i was like oh i want to go into depth of that we just don't have the time to go into all of the like rabbit holes there that i'm i i agree just you know i've seen a lot of times of of yeah the executive funds it they're like oh yeah absolutely go work on that and or they even the training and mentorship or they go out they get trained on this thing and they come back and they say we should start this and they don't have buy-in. They they allowed the education and the training, but that necessarily we don't have that top-down implementation. We have bottom-up implementation, and that's slower. We need to get some more top-down implementation. Yeah, it's it's super important. And one of the ways, and one a, a little phrase that I like, I really like, and I, I, in the last organization I was at, I was part of the team that implemented a lot of the tech that we used. And I don't know how familiar you, you, you are with this, but the story goes that like the Vikings, when they went and conquered new land, you know, their, their, their old saying was like, they would, they would burn their boats. And, and by burning the boats, it was this way of ensuring that they can never go back to the, to the old land and the old ways of doing things. And similarly, you know, you talked about like a hundred year old organization that is now changing the ways that they're doing things. Well, one of the ways, and this was our mantra was like, we burned our boats. So the Excel docs and the whiteboard and the, you know, notepads and all these things, we, we got rid of them. There's no backdoor method to doing it. We are committed to this. And this is how the company is moving forward. And I know that's not easy. It's, it's much easier said than done, but it's those types of cultural shifts like that really get really down deep into your organization that you need to commit to uh, in order to successfully you know, adopt all of these new tools. And it's possible. Lots of companies are out there are doing it. It's not impossible. It's just a matter of, of uh, you know, listening to podcasts like this and picking up tips and tools and, 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 you know, educating you and your teams. Will, did you have anything to chime in there? Yeah, I'll keep it brief, but I want to very quickly provide some of my thoughts on this topic. It's something I'm very passionate about, uh, you know, obviously working for a construction tech company. 
adoption is very important to me and very important to our business. But um, the things that I've seen be really successful with construction companies when adopting technology, it's a few repeats of what Brian shared, but commitment, focus, and investment of time. There is no shortcut today to successfully adopt new technology. And so I think realizing that, acknowledging that, accepting that is a really, really important first step. The other thing I'd share is that good technology is typically going to have at least some, if not a lot of impact on process, generally in a good way, but it's going to impact your business's process, their behavior, and that means change. And whenever you have change, it means resistance, it means distraction, uh, it means folks are going to try to avoid it. But in my opinion, if you want to be successful, you can't. You have to lean into it and you really have to build this connection of tech and process as the standard. That there isn't an old way of doing things and a new way. It's we are bringing these two entities together to improve and enhance and change our process as a company, as a business, so that we can be more effective and we can grow and we can improve. The other thing I share is you need to be really intentional. You got to have a plan. And you need to be able to measure against that plan. How do you complete a construction project? You commit to it. You put together a plan. You measure your progress. You learn what's working, what's not working, and you quickly iterate if things aren't working. And, and you can take that same approach. And the last thing I'd say is that good products are going to have wow moments. And so you should really ensure as you lean into it that you're looking for those moments where your users are going, whoa, I just saved time. Highlight that. Evangelize that throughout your company identify those champions internally, reward them for their ownership, because these are the folks that are going to be the future thought leaders and process leaders at your company. And so the people who lean into that change, lean into those wow moments, evangelize that, they should be rewarded for that. Just just the way you'd reward anybody who's helping you change and improve process at your company to make your company better. I love that. And I think you you spoke to something that I wanted to ask you to get into, you know, from a high level CEO kind of standpoint, you know, the to that, the, the hypothetical CEO of this 100-year-old company. Every five minutes, a new company is coming out with the tool that will change everything. And, and you, you buy in, you, you drop your six figures, you, you know, bring this in, and less than a year later, they're like, no, 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 that's old news. How do we stay ahead of the curve, with the curve, not get swallowed up by the wave? You know, the change management of it, things are iterating, You great word, things are iterating so fast globally how do we not fall behind and or get crushed by it? An awesome question. And you're nailing some really serious risks because there's a lot of innovation happening in construction, which is great. It's very exciting. We're seeing more investment from technology into this industry than ever before by orders of magnitude. And that's awesome. But it's also overwhelming, I think, to a lot of folks who are trying to digest that, figure out where they want to place their bets, and then how to stay on top of it and make sure that they're innovating alongside of it with their company and that they're not creating too much distraction because at the end of the day, they do have a business to run and they do have projects to, to, to focus on and to execute on. And so, you know, one would be that I, I wouldn't hold myself as a construction company to an unrealistic standard of becoming technology or AI experts, but rather to find platforms and technology partners and companies that they trust and then really leverage them to be the experts. And I think that good technology, good products, good platforms, they iterate in a way that's consumable for the customer. And I think that's, you know, there's some, some ownership that needs to be taken by the technology industry 
to help deliver this innovation in a way that's consumable for the user, that is not too much all at once, that's iterative, um, and that doesn't force radical change on a regular basis. And, you know, I think the other one is that you're going to have to invest in internal training, support, and nurturing of the technology. I do believe that, again, a lot of that burden should be on technology companies to make sure that as technology evolves, it's it's doing it in a way that's consumable for the user. And But there is some responsibility on the customer to make sure that they have folks internally who think about how they're adopting technology, how it's changing, how their teams are leveraging it successfully or unsuccessfully. And there's a lot out there and there's a lot of noise. And I think finding some individuals internally to your company who can help be that bridge and that liaison between the technology providers and your business to find what actually makes sense and, and what you need. So those, those are some some pieces of advice, but it's it's a really good question and a really hard one to answer, frankly. Yeah, I, I, our, our CEO, uh, Daniel Hogan, uh, when he and I have had this conversation, he's like, you know, we're going to change by evolution, not revolution. You know, we can't throw out the system every time we see it like you can't you can't chase it, you know evolve don't revolt you know evolution not revolution brian kind of same question you know do you have any thoughts there yeah i do and i and i think that it is it is hard it it it, it certainly is hard but i think that this is actually a muscle that a lot of contractors have have already learned how to develop because basically what you're getting at is a an evaluation process that's very similar to how they're currently approaching things like the, their, their, their vendor supply network for their materials or for tools or for equipment. I mean, these are areas that are constantly coming out with new products, constantly coming out with new tools, new ways of doing things. I mean, I came from a glass and glazer before I, I came to Procore and we always had material uh, suppliers in our offices doing lunch and learns and educating us on their, on, on what's new with their products. And so I think that they already have a lot of processes and mindsets and evaluation methods in place that they can simply just take and apply to now technology as a tool to be used in construction and start to see that, hey, we don't need to be afraid of asking questions and learning and looking at what all of these things are, but going into it already having our own defined strategy of how we're going to approach technology is the way to be able to quickly understand and identify if something aligns with that plan or if it doesn't. And, and, and so I think that like goes back to what I was saying before about that executive sponsorship and, and taking a cultural shift to how you approach technology. It puts you in the driver's seat and not the um, like marketers and product developers of the world, which I'm a marketer, so I, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's me. But uh, you know, then that way you're not just following every kind of piece of new information out there, but you have a predefined strategy in place of how you're going to approach technology within your company. And that will help you kind of see the, the signal through the noise, as they say. One thing I'd add too that I forgot to mention is how important leveraging your peer networks as a construction company are to manage this change, not be overwhelmed by it, to find where there's value and where there's noise. Because you may not be the expert in everything. You may not have tried every piece of technology, but there might be a future company that are working really, really well. You're really passionate about, you understand the impact they've had. And then you're going to have peers in the industry who have had the same impact from some other pieces of technology. And I think leveraging your own construction networks, 
peers, friends, fo- other construction companies that you can bounce ideas off of to find what's actually worked, to find out what's actually impacting their business and isn't just noise. I, I think that's a, an underused tool to navigate this world because, I mean, construction is a word of mouth business in so many ways. And I think you can leverage that same word of mouth network, that same close knit aspects of the construction industry to help you navigate technology and and find those nuggets of value and find what's real, what's not, what's going to be impactful with some real stories and validated success behind it. And so have those conversations regularly with your peers. You know, I couldn't have asked for a better queue up to the next thing that I wanted to ask you guys about. Like, I mean, it's like that was that was perfect like, queue up to the not to be overly marketing because I'm also a marketer of, you know, we have IGI, our industrial grade innovation expo coming up in a few weeks. But there are lots of different conferences and and these networking marketing, not marketing again, just these networking events what is the could kind of say that a little bit more about the value of these events and these getting out there? How do uh, what is the value in getting together? What what is the use case for that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really passionate about this. And, you know, I've been I've been doing product in construction tech now for a decade. And what I found is that when you get different construction folks together in a room, magic happens. And I'm going to tell a quick anecdote that will illuminate that a little bit. But one of the most impactful tools that I've used over the past decade at Procore to ensure we're solving the right problems for the industry, that we're innovating in the right areas, that we are leveraging technology to have the right impact for our customers has been what we called innovation labs. And what that really meant to us was pretty simple. We would get different construction companies together. We would put them all in the same room for three to five days and we would innovate, we would debate, we would yell at each other, we would whiteboard, we would, and we would at the end of the session come out the other side with what's right for the industry, not what's right for the hundred year old construction company and exactly what their process is today and how technology can meet that process. But no, how can the industry get better? How collectively can we solve this problem in a way that's going to support everybody and level up the industry? And that really only happened at the same speed and with the same impact when we actually put those folks in the same room together and watch them debate each other, watch them debate us. And I think the same is true for when you get folks together to network at tech conferences, when you use your peer networks, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's the it's the setting aside your personal bias about your own company and your specific way of doing things. And you start to have empathy for how other folks are doing. You start to have understanding for other ways of looking at process, technology, the industry, opportunities, risks, and magic comes out of those. And so we've made a point here. I've made a point here to as often as possible, get real humans in rooms together with different perspectives coming from different companies and seeing what magic comes out of it. And it's just absolutely fantastic how much faster we learn and how much more impactful those insights that come out of it are. And so, yeah, for me, this this is something I'm really passionate about because I've seen it work and I've seen it have a lot of success for me in my career, for our products, for our business, for our customers. And, and I just I just love getting folks together in person. I have one quick follow up. Then I want Brian to answer that as well. But do how have you had uh, not how, but. Have you had lots of success with getting 
competitors to come into a room and fight about things to, to get that conversation primed? Or, or do people come slow to that table? Day one can be a little slow. And then you start getting into, well, hold on, here's how we do it. And here's why that's so great. Maybe on day two and by day three, it's like they work for the same company. And so I, I think that, um, that uh, you know, immersion of folks together for longer periods of time is, is really magical. I found that once you get the humans together, the my company, your company can, you know, we're both bidding on the same job that starts to, to, to seep away from the conversation. All of a sudden, the human element starts to come out, which is, hey, we're two humans who have spent the last 25 years in this industry. We care deeply about it. Our, our lives revolve around it. How do we make it better? How do we make it safer? How do we make it smarter? How do I get home to my families at five instead of seven? Um, the, these, the real human element starts to come out the more time you spend together. So I'd say, you know, at first you get a little, a little uh, cagey interaction, but over time, you know, a few hours go by, a couple of days go by, it all seeps away. And it's like, they all work for the same company and they're all, and that company is the construction industry and their people and uh, how we can make it better. That's awesome. Brian, same, you know, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, bringing people together and the value and of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say I really, I really like that last point that Will made. Uh, Cause I, you know, I, I grew up in construction and you know, my dad was a trade contractor. And I, later as an adult, I, I worked for a number of different construction companies and, and um, there, there can be, and look, like maybe this sounds like a criticism. I don't mean it to be, but it was simply an observation from my years of experience around this industry. But but there can be a lot of uh, protection around our proprietary, you know, our trade secrets and things and stuff like that. So there's an element of, I, I like how, how we'll phrase that of like, you know, once that guard's kind of dropped and you start sharing, you realize that you, you end up in this one plus one equals three scenario where as we share, we actually all kind of leave better than we were. We we're sort of keeping our cards close to us. And, and and and, I, and along those lines, and going back to the question around like the events, um, something that I think is really cool, and especially in this space where we're talking about innovation and creativity, what what I observe a, a lot of times is that trades kind of flock to other trades, and it makes sense because they're all using the same labor pool, they're all following the same process, they're all installing the same products with the same tools with the same equipment, like they're all kind of doing the same thing. But in this space that we're talking about right now of, of having to think more creatively and, and really think about innovation, I think it's really important that trades start to look at other trades to find some of those, that innovation, because it may not always just be in with the plumbers or in with the electrical contractors or others. And I, and I don't think that that's something that's too commonly done. It's like, hey, I'm a mechanical contractor, so I'm sticking with what works for them. But, but I've seen so many cases of where, you know, mechanical contractors have learned stuff from glazers and glazers have learned stuff from plumbers and learned stuff from concrete contractors. And so that's what I think is great about conferences, like with your conference, for example, is it just, it brings such a diverse group of people. And if you're really trying to think outside the box, like you really literally have to get outside of your, you know, little circle of influence and learn how other people are doing it. And, and I think there's there's no other way to do that other than going to events like this and, and hearing from others and sharing. It never ceases to amaze me. Individuals I've met in so many different industries, because I've been working in the innovation space in some way or another for about 15 years. 
and the the number of people I've met that say with with pride and their chest stuck out are like, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been with this company since I was, you know, 17 years. I know how this works. I'm like, if you've been at this company for 30 years since you're, that means, you know, this one way of doing it, it doesn't, that's, that's the opposite of innovation. It, we need bring, we need to be bringing in outside information and, uh, and meeting with those other stakeholders and those other people that see the same problem from a different perspective. Well, guys, I have uh, really enjoyed this. Like literally we could talk for four hours. I have so many more questions and things that I want to get into the weeds on, but we try to keep this, you know, actionable and high level. So I'm going to leave you with just kind of one last question, and that is, what is the low risk, the the entry level, the t- the toe in the the shallow end? If you are that guy, you've been you're in charge of an organization or a project. What's that first low risk step to change management, moving towards the goal of all the things we've just talked about? Okay, yeah, and I promise I'm not avoiding the question. But what I'll say is it's going to vary from company to company. And I think the lowest risk, highest likelihood of success tactic is to find the area of your business that especially leadership, but but even better if the whole company can recognize is an area that is not operating up to your standards, where you feel there is an efficiency, where you feel there's pain, where you feel there's frustration and start there because it's going to be so much easier to get that focus and buy-in from the executive team to lean into it. You're going to get more buy-in from the end users because they're going to actually see the tangible change in an area that's been plaguing your business. And so the one thing I'd say is if you can find that area of pain, immense pain, where you have clarity that it needs to be improved and and, and technology can help you get there, I always think you should start there. You know, I could give you the more generic answer of, oh, start with this business process. We see a lot of customers have a lot of success digitizing drawings and keeping everybody on the current set. There's there's answers like that I could give, but I really believe it's going to be unique to each company and find what's painful, find where there's huge opportunity to improve because that way everybody will lean into it per our, our, our previous discussion around, you know, the buy-in and what's necessary to drive successful adoption. And when you have that first win, People go, okay, that worked. What's next? And then you can go on the journey. Fantastic. Fantastic. How about you, Brian? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really, really good question. And I'm not even sure. I think Will said the same thing, but maybe didn't say it directly, but I'm not even sure if, um, starting with what is the lowest risk is, is even the, is even the right place to start. I think it's, it's starting where we're losing the most money. <laughs> Which is kind of what Will has got to, right? Is like where's like the like the stinkiest, smelliest, like worst part of your where's your biggest bottleneck right now? Like go fix that. Yeah. So I mean, I would I would echo a lot of what Will said, and 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 maybe even suggest that you know being if 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 you're someone who's who's like super risk adverse, like I don't know, maybe you're not in the right industry because <laughs> construction has a lot of risk, and we do a lot of things to protect ourselves against those things. And so I I think that yeah, starting with you know, the biggest opportunity to improve your process and, 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 you know, eliminate that rework or plug that, that, that hole where margins leaking out or, you know, whatever it may be, like, you know, start there. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for your time. I have, uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I hope to have many more conversations like it, uh, as we all, you know, strive to innovate a little bit more. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I really enjoyed it. 
You've just listened to the Construction User 2.0 podcast from the Association of Union Constructors. Don't forget to subscribe to get all future episodes of what is going on and what is current in the union construction and maintenance industry. 